Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched Suspiria. Suspiria. The original Argento, uh, highly coveted classic, and it's remade counterpart uh, starring Tilda Swinton and Dakota Johnson, um, which came out in 2018. So we're doing back-to-back. It's still October. We're still scary. We're really diving into the the scariness, Jess. I know that this has been a uh, a, a process for you. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't bad. Like, the, the first one was not... Like, again, I just... I think I'm, like, really into 70s horror. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. Um, but... Um, <laughs> The second one was hard for me just because it was so grotesque. The body horror was rough in the second one. It was incredibly rough. (laughs) And that movie was 92 years long. So, and it sucked because like I wanted to like watch certain scenes. Like I was like, oh, this is cool because there's like a moment where, or several moments where there's a dance happening that is really cool. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm fucking into this. And then it's just like spliced back and forth between what the dance is actually doing doing it's to like, the person like, and i'm like oh. just like take all that out just show me the thing and then show I, me oh. yeah. and literally that's i like i we're gonna have so much to talk about that because that is why i think it's incredible like just it's so jarring it's so like in your face it's so grotesque but it's like grotesque mixed with artistic excellence and like beauty mixed with violence like it's this weird dichotomous mesh of like i don't know i have so much to say about it. <laughs> well but, you've seen that movie before right yes and okay. honestly i don't want to spoil my opinion on it too hard i liked it the second time way more the first time i was like that was fine like that was cool like i liked it i liked the scary parts but the second time i watched it knowing what happens given the right like headspace and context to rewatch it i was like oh it works way better the second time for some reason, I'm not sure why. I, I mean, obviously I have a theory, but yeah, it's it was like way more of an enjoyable watch. I was so enamored and like I feel attentive like- during it. Oh. Yeah, I hadn't seen either of these movies, and mm-hmm. um, I watched them basically like back to back, like one one day, one the next one. Yeah. And they feel like completely separate stories um, in literally every way possible because yeah. like the first one is absolutely gorgeous a work of art uh the color associations the the framing of the shots the cinematography is just fucking beautiful for it um and it like like pulls you in with like these like candy colors and like it's just it's so aesthetically pleasing and I understand yeah. why that movie was like such a big fucking deal for that. Mm-hmm. Like you can see like it, it totally revolutionized what this was. Yeah. Um, but the second one is just like the absence of all of that. The absence of any semblance of that. Both like narratively any sort of like funness or like a mystery that was there. It felt like that was all kind of gone. It was just kind of like dreary and hopeless and... Um, monotone whereas the first one was like i don't know the first one was a little bit fun the yes i will agree with you that the second one was less fun but i have a lot of disagreements on like that like visually so drab dead nothing happening cinematography wise they did a lot of interesting things that i noticed the second time and well i don't want to like 
we will get it. Should we just do it? Let's jump into the first one and then we can like siphon through. Is that okay. cool? Sure. Okay. Young American ballet student Susie Banyan arrives in Germany for the dance opportunity of a lifetime. Upon her arrival, she witnesses a distraught student flee the academy she has come to study at and quickly learns that all is not well. She meets matrons of Tan's Dance Academy, Miss Tanner, the head instructor, and Madame Blanc, the deputy mistress, as well as her new classmates. Almost overnight, Susie becomes a prisoner of her newfound sisterhood and starts to grow suspicious of the intentions of the school. After several unexplained disappearances, Susie goes to her former friend psychiatrist to see if he has any insight as to the disappearances. He quickly passes the buck to his colleague, who happens to be an expert on the occult and the history of the Tans Dance Academy. Armed with this new knowledge and the knowledge from her friend Sarah, Susie returns to school to find and expose the mysteries surrounding the disappearances and the coven itself, which she does by killing Mother Superior and unintentionally burning down the school. So Suspiria. Suspiria. I, every time I see the word, I think of Activia. Just <laughs> phonetically and syllabically, it's the same in my head. So anytime it's like Suspiria... Um, I which don't is, even know the jingle because I haven't watched commercials I, it's, so long. It's that's literally so me to say. it's from so long ago too. Activia <laughs> was like it was from like 2006, 2007. Activia commercial. Activia. Um, anyways, yes, that's all I think <laughs> of when I think of this movie. So I never, we neither of us have ever seen this original. Mm-mm. I think off the bat, to piggyback on what you were saying in the introduction. This movie is so vibrant, so colorful, and so unafraid of like being beautiful and being artistic. And like the thing that I wanted to say at the beginning to like reiterate what you were saying is in the same way that like Willy Wonka has like the door open or like was it whatever. Like I feel like this movie is immediately like welcome to the world of the absurd and the controlled. Like everything here is under a microscope and the way that it's shot is so clearly that, but it feels like it's you're being tricked because it's so colorful and so fun. It like makes you feel like, Oh, I can do anything here. I'm free to do whatever. Meanwhile, it's the exact opposite. And that like that tension really brings a lot of the, the fear in this and the mystery of like the brutality and the violence that's going on here. I think it's also, yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot to say with, like, the importance of color and, like, the symbolism. Each shot is absolutely intentional. Each color, each pattern, um, where we see those colors and when we see those colors, right? Um, And who's wearing those colors? Like, there's just so much to say about that. And uh, but to to go back on to your point, I like that because it, it brings you in and it keeps you in because it is beautiful, because it is gorgeous and because it's fantastical and it feels like a storybook, right? And yeah. I like that parallel to what's actually happening to the women in this story because they themselves are also like while they're being gaslit and while they're being groomed and just manipulated by the instructors and um, uh, the coven. Coven is instructors. They're all witches, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's but a like story. While, <laughs> while those women are, you're, you're seeing this really happen to them, um, you as the audience are also being tricked into that a little bit too, which I love that. Oh, yeah. It's like... It's hard to tell what is what, especially because, at least for us as like a Western audience, we sympathize or at least we see 
we see Susie as sort of the audience surrogate because she's like an American abroad. She's she's out of her element. Like even at the beginning when she's talking with the students and uh, her friend is like, hey, yeah, I know I'm from America, too. And like you get used to like the culture, you get used to the language like it is it is weird. You're like everything visually feels odd because of its vibrancy and its color that we are also tricked in the way that she is of like is this safe is this okay am i am i gonna live like what's happening yeah like you you start to kind of like question everything about this like where it's like oh yeah this 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 can happen this is like it's all it is literally sugar-coated in like in terms of like visually right it's a gingerbread house yeah, exactly. So like the the whole plot, everything is all dark and, and bad. And it's so heavy when you really get down into it. But because it's sugar coated, it's not only like, is it an easier pill to swallow, but it's also easy to just kind of like forget about like uh, what's happening and just be like enamored with these, again, absolutely gorgeous shots that we're like, I paused it a couple times and I was like, holy shit, this is so pretty. Like, yeah. oh my God. Um, like the the pink building, just like incredible. The lose, the, oh my God, this movie I mean, is just fucking even, pretty. Even the blood, the blood is like almost a bubblegum pink. Yeah. <laughs> More it's than like, like a... a deep red. <laughs> so like when she pours the um she oh, that that was soup, but like the red in the sink, the porcelain white sink. Then when like the pianist gets killed by his dog and like he coughs up this like almost peptobismal like blood and like that on like the drabness of that city square, it's like it's 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 these really like striking pops of color like in the absence of color boom there it is and when everything is so grotesquely over colored and oversaturated there will be these moments of like bleak blackness or bleak absences of color to be the like pop of highlight or the visual Mm -hmm. like that's where you need to look or that's the most intense thing so just that dichotomy of switching between the two and using color in a very like intentional way it was i mean i just i don't i don't think i've ever really seen a movie that does it like this we could probably have an entire episode like an entire i'm sure there's um i didn't do a lot of research but i'm sure there's a lot of like pieces about like color association in this and that reversal like you were saying where literally everything is like bubblegum blue and pinks and reds and and uh and greens right like when things are normally happening in the world right when you are supposed to be believing the lie that the coven puts forth and then when the actual acts of violence happen um in those moments you see like just the darkness kind of take over and those pops of color yeah just like uh directing your eyes and where you're supposed to look and what what is yeah it's so good and then because of that story because you are so caught up in the storybook world like that association with like you know the the bright colors and you know the bright blood the bright all of that it's just kind of like it that in itself is candy coated right that in itself is like the literal desensitization of these mutilated women's bodies and and of course the blind person well what's the blind pianist well what's also gorgeous is that like we're told the language of the film and the first time she shows up to the fucking right away place because yeah. it's like the outside when she shows up to that front door it's like this huge red building with like this this gorgeous archway um at nighttime it looks so menacing and scary and it's so drab because the color has been sucked out of it and the only thing that's really highlighted is like the doorway that's like colored in blue and you see 
Is it Patricia in this one and too? Patricia. It's not Patricia. Yeah. It is Patricia? I think it's Patricia. We're going to call it, we called her Patricia yeah. in the intro, so we'll call her Patricia in this. So you see her like mouthing some words and it, it, that comes back into play later as like a key, pivotal key in like act three. It's a whole deal. But that that point of focus in color in the whole building is like nothing. We can barely see the color in it. Beautiful. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then the next time we see that building, it's so gorgeous and like illustrious and red and elaborate just or so it's so decadent. So there is this like things aren't as they appear use of color. And we're told that within the first five minutes, which I think is like a really it's just like well executed. It's like so immediate, so specific. I get it. We get it. Let's go. Literally every shot, every scene and everything in this film is absolutely intentional. I think there were some moments where maybe there's like a director's cut out there or there, you know, some of it was cut because I feel like there wasn't a lot of payoff for all of the things that they set up. Maybe like the. Yeah. um, The. Well, we'll talk about the men later, but like the love interest that they were kind of setting up a little bit, like some of the things were like put there for I don't think that they were put there for no reason because so much of this film was intentional, but I don't feel like those little plot strings were fully resolved or or realized in this cut of the film. To dig into a little bit of like the thematic stuff, I wanted to discuss with you a little bit about the conversation of class when it comes to this movie, Um, just by way of like early on the sort of us versus them othering in conversation with like money specifically Mm -hmm. where Susie is like, Oh, I'm just here. And everyone's just like, well, do you have money? Where's your money? I'm only talking to you if you have money. Mm -hmm. Textually it's chalked up as, as like a, what did they say? Like a Romanian thing? Um, Or they, did they, they said it was like specifically, like, oh, well, that's just, like, a, a cultural part of, like, uh, conversation. That's just how and, it is here. Is... Yeah, that's, like, cultural cash. Like, that's just what we do. Um, but I feel like that felt less like a cultural difference and more of a conversation about, like, class privilege and power struggle and what it means to, like, have power and have money. And the only way to, like, have power is to have money and to have control. Did you get I mean, that? Sure. Like, so um, Susie, right off the bat, she's recognized because her aunt is also a dancer yeah. and a benefactor, right? Yes. So that means, okay, you have money, you can yes. come in, yeah. you can be here. And I think it's really interesting that, so like Olga is uh, the only one that we've seen that has her own apartment off the premises, right? Where she doesn't have to be subject to any of the horrifying things that the women there that like have to stay in the dormitories are yeah. um, because um, she has her own apartment. She she has this, right? But it's also interesting because Susie does have money. She can pay the 50, like, because Olga is like, you have to give me $50 a week to stay at my apartment, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Susie's like, okay, yeah, sure, I can do that and she is 100% on board for that she doesn't want to stay at the school but that is taken away by the coven despite the fact that she has money and I think that that's yeah. because they see her and immediately like they they want to groom her into being something else right so I thought that was also interesting that class doesn't necessarily yeah it doesn't necessarily exclude you from this kind of abuse right like yeah. you can have this and you can still have your autonomy 
um, taken away. Stripped from you, yeah. Especially in an environment where your entire existence is under surveillance and you are gaslit at almost every turn. Literally. Both, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the the way you live. Like, that's the way the building's formed, essentially, is to make you, trick you into thinking you're safe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there is so much um, gaslighting and victim blaming, like yeah. on on like literally every level. Yeah, like it's not even just the coven. It's like we we see that through Olga, a hundred percent. It's 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 literally everybody. It's like a taught literally. thing of just like don't question it. It's fine. Like oh, you're overreacting. And you're that everybody is learning from the coven in this yes. yeah, uh, yeah. in this world, right? And so that is what they are teaching. They are teaching this sort of internalized classism and misogyny because like the main reason, at least for me, that like they hate all of these girls and they are just there to nitpick them. They comment on Susie's oh, appearance yeah. first thing. As soon as she walks in the door, they're like, oh, well, she's a pretty one or whatever, right? And the men are like their <laughs> servants, right? So it's like, yeah. to me at least, this is misogyny in disguise as like feminism or whatever right oh yeah and yeah. same thing in the next one too but i think specifically this one kind of like hits it a little bit better because they do have like the men serving them right so it's supposed to be like oh women are at the top right but they literally just like they gaslight everybody they destroy everybody's livelihood they don't care they just they are out there for them and they're not there to help anybody else they're just there to use literally all of these young women and because of that the young women also learn that behavior and do that to the younger women that come in you know what i mean so it is literally at every level and it is also a learned behavior and those levels of performed like oh we're gonna miss her like that these like little nuanced aggressive performances of fleshing of or like a, a sloughing of accountability like oh i have no idea like oh she must have just left in the night like oh poor thing like i hope her i wish her well in her trap like all of these little moments to like make these people think like oh wow like i just it's it's so gross i've met not a lot of people but there's a few people in my life who i've met like this and i'm like just how intentionally nasty and like awful this is i mean this is white feminism right this is white feminism this is 100 percent white feminism there is not like a person of color except for the the maids right who are also witches in the coven but their status is clearly not as high as yeah you know the white woman yeah so there's a whole thing there but yeah like they um immediately making fun of women who like are gonna go tell on them right and and also just being fucking nasty for no reason like the whole exchange uh between sarah and olga where olga's like oh s is the litter of snakes eh, 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 eh. So oh they're, i like, know there's like already like you walk into this space and even though like it's supposed to be a safe space for women right where yeah. women are elevated but we can see that nobody trusts each other and nobody is nice to each other nobody is a friend to each other and it really (laughs) is this um uh this environment where again like another illusion where it's like oh you're safe in the company of women but you clearly aren't like and this is what we get so much uh, again with film where it's like women can't be friends guys don't you know this women can't be friends but in this instance it's because we are seeing a patriarchal uh classist structure yeah again it's 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 feminine it's uh misogyny patriarchal misogyny disguised as feminism through the lens of femininity like that's the that's the crux of it at its base though at its core base it, it is patriarchal misogyny and to build on the just visual metaphor of a pit full of razor wire 
that it's like dying yeah. by a million little cuts and you get pulled back over and, and over again. <laughs> and Sarah is the only one that saw through what was happening and yeah. the only one that was like trying to be friends and trying to help people. Like her friend w- died because of this, right? Yeah. And she knew something was going on and she knew something was clearly not okay with Susie who like literally could not wake up when she fell yeah. asleep, right? So she's like, I'm going to go find this. I need to figure this out. Like still not willing to give up on Patricia and she's punished for that she's punished for having allegiances and just being a good person and caring about people she's punished Uh, for her humanity she's punished for her empathy she's punished for the goodness in her heart and her willingness to defy the structures that exist because there is no space for that in patriarchy and in white feminism no (laughs) there's no escape um i do want to talk about Uh, So we talked a little bit about how the world is set up immediately, how we know, um, you know, with the school looking menacing at night and then looking uh, great during the daytime and like those visual cues with like the lighting as soon as she gets off the airplane, right? And when she gets in the cab and stuff. Um, I think this film also really set up our expectations for how women are supposed to be treated or how women are treated in this world. Um, Because immediately the very first thing that we see... is she like she it's fucking (laughs) pouring rain and she has her luggage she's there's hella taxis going by and she can't hail one even though like she's clearly there she has to jump in front of a taxi like risking her life in order to get somebody to pick her up so it's like okay cool i know what this is all right fine And then um, we see her go to the school, right, where immediately, again, it's raining and like, you know, she got an invitation from this place and they're saying, no, go away. Sure, we don't have the context right now. We don't know that that's Sarah saying that. But still, we're seeing them turn away uh, a woman out in the cold who has nowhere to go, knows nobody, knows nothing, right? And then we see Patricia being murdered. And the woman that tried to cry for help, who also did not believe Patricia right away because women don't believe women in this. Nobody believes women. Um, We see her die when she's going around and asking for help from anybody, everybody, because like suddenly nobody can hear these screams. Nobody's coming to the door. Nobody's going to help a woman when like literally screaming bloody murder. Literally, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, the the three punch off the bat, like her hailing the cab is the one. The two is these bag. Like she's like, can you help me with the bags? And he's like, what? And she's like, OK, whatever. <laughs> she gets in the car and then she's sitting there and he's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, Klasa or whatever. And she says it like seemingly perfectly. He's like, what? She says it again. Seemingly perfectly. He's like, what? And she holds up the thing. Yeah. He says back to her exactly what she said in the exact same cadence. He's like, oh, you mean this? And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, that's literally what I said. Uh, cool. So it's like women are invisible and unheard. That is the language, the perfect three punch. She gets off the plane. Also, that um, like the, the, oh the goblin God, the score, which is, is gorgeous. So Obsessed. I it's amazing. It. But I like how clear, like, the diegetic, the the way that they, like, added it diegetically into the movie, just, like, the music is outside. The music is, you step out of the airport, you are in this unsafe space. Yeah. We're letting you know, like, the door opens, we hear the music, the door closes, it stops. 
the door opens we hear the music the door closes it stops she steps out and suddenly she's unsafe mm-hmm Gorge, obsessed. And uh, again, a really good way to set up like these expectations yeah. and that um, that sonic cue for something is going to happen. Something bad is happening. Here we are. And the same thing with the colors in that moment. So like yeah. this movie in the first five minutes did so fucking much uh, yeah. to like it, without even saying a lot. Like there wasn't a, like without a lot of dialogue, they clearly set up our expectations, told us what we can expect, what these certain cues are and like it it's so fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. um i also want to talk about how women are just uh again there's a lot of fucking victim blaming in this um and how like patricia is blamed for keeping bad company so that's why she disappeared because oh she ran with the wrong crowd blah 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 right um and then even the psychologist who tries to discredit patricia establishing that she had been in therapy before and it wasn't like oh she's (laughs) it's literally oh she's been in therapy before so she's in she's like kind of unstable (laughs) so you know you know what that means she's been in therapy she's not good yeah oh "Oh, but she quote unquote got better and i was like oh my god fucking really um and there's a line where it talks about how mental illness is bad luck um and it's brought about by broken minds not broken mirrors and i was like okay so like let's fucking unpack that um and then i think that was said that was said by the occult guy i think not the psychologist no the psychologist i think said it i don't know it was one of the men of course one of the men talking about a woman yeah, in her I, mind and how that works right? i think it was i think it was the younger guy before he's like hey i have an engagement here's my friend <laughs> peace yeah, yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> he gives go. us like all of the context for the school yeah. right it's like um, the, the exposition scene <laughs> Yeah, and then the old guy is, like, talking about how witches are, like, negative and destructive, which, like, white feminists, what's up? And how they how they can change the course of events and people's lives, but only to do harm, only to do harm. Uh, their goal is to accumulate uh, personal wealth, um, and they have to inflict pain to get it, basically. So yeah. that is white feminism 101, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Without a doubt. Yeah, I I uh I did I will say that whole sequence did feel a little like I wish that those those moments of conversation were a little bit more Developed. subtext subtextual mm-hmm. than like overt uh this like I have questions, I have answers scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just it felt like because it was so mysterious and I think it was like off to like such a really like good good like it was like setting a really good pace and then all of the mystery stuff i was like cool it's mysterious don't tell me yet like let's yeah. let's figure it out together and then suddenly it's like oh yeah the three mothers and this and then that and also like there's a history here this person anyways and you're like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well shit i guess i guess that uh i know i know everything i need to know now not to say that it discredits like anything else that happens but I think it's I, also it's, a different way just, of writing from it's it's a different 70s, way of writing right yes. like that I feel like that was it's, very 70s like uh or like of the time like of script writing right it's an early style to like make sure that people like you're not losing people too much in like the auteurship of yeah. of like this visually compelling thing it's like I it, it's it's kind of talking down but in it, I don't know sometimes it's 
sometimes it works if it's necessary, but like oftentimes I feel as a viewer, um, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, just <laughs> let me be dumb. Like, let me be dumb. Even if I don't get it, let me think about it. Let me stew in the unknown. Let me stew in like, don't just be like, yeah, here's this A equals B equals C. Cute. Like, I mm-hmm. just, it always, it's just a little off-putting. And again, it is part of like older filmmaking, older storytelling. I think a lot of like really good horror nowadays does a great job at like not doing that unless it's like intentionally campy. Then it's like, oh yeah, B tell me the whole plot like if this is a joke then i'm on board yeah (laughs) but if it's like an earnest way to just expose the entirety of what you need to know it is a little like ugh. and sometimes i feel like with these older movies like that was expected because the executives wouldn't sign off on it without that because they weren't really thinking like they weren't taking the time to really sit and stew on these things um but like then you look at something like the subtext in uh in patricia's murder right where she's smothered against the window in her apartment which is a safe supposed to be a safe space right where she is safe but this thing again has gotten her and found her pulled her out of her room um, punctured her heart, uh, hung her by a telephone cord, and uh, she smashed her through the g- glass ceiling, right? We talk a lot about, or, you know, there's the glass ceiling that women can never, um, yeah. that is just there for uh, anybody that's not a cishet white man. And um, literally having her crash downward like through the glass ceiling like oh you think you're up here like in this uh in this coven and this is academy right you are above all of this you're not boom like and i was like great there there's so much here in this um but you know they need the dialogue yeah because like because that is so rich and so like and that's like the first 10 minutes of the movie where i'm like here we go love it like the little open heart sequence of the i'm like ooh, ew gross glass ceiling shatter hung the white gown the symbolism mm-hmm. of like the innocence of white and the the blood-stained red in the red room like iconic so cool i'm so into this but just it really is like an ex we don't need an exposition scene really just like scoop that out like she should be i and uh, I hate that I'm like, let's do a rewrite because that's like so offensive and like whatever, but let's do a rewrite. She should be curious and she should go find stuff. And like if she went to the professor, they maybe say some like small glimpse, but then get the rest of it completely wrong. And she's like, I think you're onto something, but I don't think that's it. Move on. Be curious somewhere else in some other context. And they should have given her the agency and her the discoverability of the plot points i think that that would have been way better in the rather way that than a man having to tell her how ra- to save herself and the rest of the women literally yes. because she's the protagonist she's like the one who's in charge like why are we letting this guy be like oh here's everything you need to know off you go it should be he should give her a piece but the rest of it should be wrong the rest of it should be so like outlandishly heinously misdirecting and she should be like hey sure but no I mean, i'm gonna figure it out and then she goes and does it and you're like yes because then it makes the whole scene with like the the turning of the flower like when she's inspecting the the, the rejecting the room. of the diet food yeah it, it like adds so much more weight to all of these other moments and it takes out the sludgy fucking 
pump break scene of the exposition in that quad. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, I feel like it would have just like paced out the mystery a little bit harder and it would have made like the whole ending a little bit more. I don't know. No, absolutely. I think I think Susie like herself was actually a really a really dull character. I don't feel like there was a yeah. lot for her. I don't even yeah. have any notes for her really, um, except that she rejects the diet food. Um, yeah. Like, but we don't. There's not a lot to her. Um, we just kind of see things happening around her. Yeah. Um, and everybody else, I feel, has a lot more substance than she does. She's just yes. kind of like there and she doesn't even seem really particularly interested in any of the things like it that's all sarah sarah is like fucking in it trying to get her friend to be interested in this but like she she can't she's just she's just kind of nothing and i wonder how much of that like you can do that fine but give us a little bit more a little bit more context because maybe that's the diet food right that she's on which like the wine was totally blood but like maybe that's like that's here let's 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 dive into this she's like a husk of who she was like uh, give us a little bit more personality before she gets there and show us a little bit of transformation rather than nothing rather than just pretty white girl here you know what you said sparked something and i think it's so funny she's on the suspiria ride like she is in the cart of the suspiria ride just going through it And it's all happening around her. And she's like, oh, whoa, scary. Oh, no, I'm in the story. And then the ride ends. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And then she's like, wow, that was weird. (laughs) That was wild. I got out of there just by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) And you're like, okay, great. (laughs) Go get it, Susie. There's fucking nothing to her, which is like. Which is unfortunate. Unfortunate, yeah. Because if they were going to go in the the direction that the new one went right and maybe that was part of the intention because this is supposed to be uh the first in a trilogy um which i would be so curious to watch the other two yeah because it's um the three witches trilogy so it's the three mothers so there's suspiria inferno and the mother of tears right and this Um, one was uh suspiria right so this is this is all about this which is like cool that's great but i feel like the Susie in this one and the Susie in the next one were played pretty similarly in the fact that like they were just kind of like uh-huh yeah okay great cool like there there wasn't a lot there there was yeah. fucking nothing there they were giving us nothing uh, at least like the second one maybe a little bit more but there was I think there was a little bit more intent and direction with um with that character that I feel like we're missing oh. here which again just just a little bit like you just had to like this movie just needed to be like maybe 10 minutes longer with all of these little uh bits of context in yeah. there and it would have been fucking perfect let's talk about the witches we haven't even talked about the coven yeah they're they're like they're assholes <laughs> they're they're these like conniving gaslighting absolute monstrous like they're they're terrifying yeah 100 percent. uh i think the most thing like i mean of course they you know remove threats through like you know lies and spells and like victim blaming and all of that right um and like sowing those seeds of discontent where it's like the the blind guy saying like, oh, you can never truly trust an animal, you know, and then like just sowing that doubt amongst like their their followers. Oh. Right. But I think one of the most terrifying things which happens in real life is 
the way they control people with the illusion of choice. Yes. Um, how like when the worms are there and they're like, oh, well, you can find a hotel, but it's already late and we've already made you a, a dormitory here. So you should stay here. Right. And, and the way that they get Susie in where it's like, OK, cool. Well, um, we've already brought your things here. So you're staying here. The, um, the way they introduce that with Susie in particular, too, where where they're like, you're kind of stubborn, huh? And she's like, yes. what do you mean? They're like. Oh, no, we're just, I mean, it's great. And we love that you have a choice. But like, um, no, it's just interesting because like we thought this whole thing that we were going to do it here. And then um, you chose not to. Anyways, it's not very becoming on a young woman, but I'm happy for you. And you're like, what is this like negging shit that you're doing? It's so like, it's so vile and so like poignant and it's so like nasty. And that's just the the introduction of that with her character. She's like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, you know, just like whatever. You're kind of shitty. And it's like, what? (laughs) It's It's a really interesting way to set up these characters. Because again, it is the illusion of choice and the illusion of choice under that control. And it's also the illusion of, or not the illusion of, but like you were saying before, the sort of sowing doubt in a congregation or sowing doubt in like a group by way of like using that doubt to confer or to um, validate any sort of violence or like action taken later where they're like, like you said, like, yeah, you can never trust a dog. And then he gets bitten by his dog the next day and they're like, see, we told you. And it's like, you fucking, this is like, this is just emotional abuse badness this is like all of the toxic parenting shit that you hear about it's like this is it this is like Mm -hmm. quintessential gaslighting gaslighting children (laughs) like that's what it is (laughs) and then when they don't do what you want them to do then you make something bad happen so you are justified and so the outcome that you wanted does happen yep right and exactly this exactly the way that you wanted it to and they use that for to groom the women especially Susie right like and I I feel like Susie just isn't again isn't really a character in this because she has no agency it is immediately stripped we see her right away where she jumps in front of the taxi gets inside the uh, the school and she talks to Madame Blanc and she's like oh hey what's up blah 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 and then she inserts herself in that conversation with uh, the two uh, the two detectives or she's like hey I saw her By the way, I saw her like, this, you know, but like she was so strong before they started like fucking with her before they like took away that apartment and put her on that diet. So that's why I do think that she was supposed to be a stronger character. um, But I don't think that we got enough of that beforehand. And it's like also like that's when they made that uh, comment about like, oh, well, you're uh, you're hard headed or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then immediately after they did that, like that's when they started like doing all of this bad stuff to groom her and to and to force her to do what they want her to do yeah um and i feel like again just like a a minute of like you know uh showing them do the spell or like showing like just a couple of minutes of showing that transformation between this strong-willed american girl that we see come in within the first five minutes we only get five minutes with that girl so like immediately she's just kind of like a shell after that they do clip her wings early. I wish that they explored her more. It happened too soon. We just it need a little bit. It happened way too soon. 
Like we didn't we really need... get to see her dance. We didn't get to see anything because no. like a, like within the first like five minutes, she's just, yeah, her wings were clipped. What she needed was more autonomy to begin with. So that way that drastic, um, yeah. that uh, drastic change is, um, is more noticeable, right? And again, mm-hmm. I think that there's a version of this movie out there that exists that that <laughs> gives me this because that's what I need and I see it and I see like I have my whole headcanon around this character and this story and what it's supposed to be like these little missing holes. Um, but was I super mad about it? This is such a pretty movie that I could not be. Um, I also really liked that in this movie, what saves Susie ultimately is female friendship. Yeah. Where even though that's taken away from her because her friend is obviously gone and murdered, uh, fucking destroyed, when we see her reject the food, right? When we see her reject these um, these things that were given to her or like forced upon her in this in this way where it was framed as a choice or like she didn't have a choice as as with the food, right? You need nourishment. Seeing her reject that um, because she understands that something is happening with her friend, even under under these spells and under this influence of the coven, that connection with Sarah was so strong, which even though it did feel one-sided, like she did get through to her, right? Yeah. And seeing that that's what gets her to reject that and go on her journey to find um, Marcos and to kill her and subsequently like destroy the entire coven and get revenge for what's happened to her friend right yeah female friendship is what did that and it's it's the 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 conversation and the sharing of information through that friendship that allowed that to happen 100 percent. yeah because like without those those tidbits of knowledge without those conversations she wouldn't have known about the twisting of the the little right. the, the what is it the lilac no the iris iris the blue iris she wouldn't have known to do that she wouldn't have known any of these things if she'd and like even seeing patricia outside mouthing those words she wouldn't have pieced that together no way by herself and it's through that friendship that she was given the tools to make that happen and to end the reign of this problematic and that's why female friendship is necessary in order to exist in the world and to uh reject (laughs) like i mean because otherwise we're all doomed well, like, that goes into the conversation of the history of gossip. You know how gossip in general is like in our society qualified as a bad thing generally? Yes. I mean, it's misogyny 100% as most things are. But because gossip was a key part of community building, especially amongst femme folks uh, in olden days. So in a way that like we're going to gossip to keep everybody up to date on like what's going on, how to stay safe who to know and who to talk to. Yeah. It was a way of maintaining community and safety for those who weren't safe, which was largely nonsense white men. That's just what they did. But there was a way that was like, no gossiping, no this, no that, to rid these people of strength and of community and of the ability to stay safe so then individually they can be targeted and be marginal like they can be abused like without that without that strength and community they have nothing under this patriarchal systemic misogynistic structure mm-hmm. so that's why in our that's in our cool. in our zeitgeist the word gossip has such a negative connotation because that's what we're taught. We're taught because not to gossip. Men didn't want that. Men didn't want that. Men didn't want the strength of knowledge to be bestowed on those who weren't given it by birth. 
Mm-hmm. That's why you you quote unquote shouldn't gossip because it's it's not nice. It's rude. No, it's not. It's good. We should be gossiping because <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like safety and you know, it, uh, oh, watch that. out for yeah. this person. This person did this yeah. to me. You know, oh, I, yeah. and gossip can I I think when it's speculative sometimes it can absolutely not be a good oh. thing. But oh yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's 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 a it, there, I forget what article it was that I read, but it was an interesting history on the word gossip and gossiping as like a cultural touchstone for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a whole thing. But that goes that just ties into this movie about like that is literally what saved them and saved her was mm-hmm. gossip. <laughs> was the guy even in the moment where like she's like, yeah, you're also kind of an asshole and a problem and you're part of it, which is just performed as systemic misogyny. Mm-hmm. Even in that space, communal safety is what allowed it to happen and that's gossip that's gossip that's i think gossip. that's it for this one yeah i'm cool. so ready to fucking dig my sweet little fangs into this next one young american ballet student Susie banyan arrives in berlin for the dance opportunity of a lifetime Upon her arrival, she auditions for the matrons of Tan's Dance Academy and catches the eye of Madame Blanc, the deputy mistress, as well as her new classmates. Almost immediately, Susie hears rumors of a missing student named Patricia and quickly learns all is not well. Outraged by the Academy's handling of Patricia's disappearance, Olga storms off but is subsequently trapped in a hall of mirrors and entranced by a torturous dance that somehow connected with Susie's performance. Almost overnight, Susie becomes the star pupil of her newfound sisterhood and grows equally suspicious and excited by the mysteries within. After several unexplained disappearances, Sarah is approached by her friend's former psychiatrist to pass along notes and information about Patricia prior to her disappearance, which reveal Patricia's discontent with the matrons and details of the coven and their secrets. The school puts on a recital titled Rebirth, which ends abruptly as Sarah is injured while investigating Patricia's findings. Oh no, was Susie actually the mother of size the whole time? And is she there to reclaim her throne and kill the naysayers in the process in a grotesque and bloody display of power? 100%. Susie Banyan, a.k.a. Mother Suspiria herself. Um, I keep saying it, and I've said it several times already on this podcast, but watching this the second time really recontextualizes everything with the knowledge that she is Mother Suspiria herself. Just going into it, everybody's interaction with her changes the performance of it. It is so strange, and I don't know why. I mean, I'm assuming it's like a, just a good directing thing where like subtextually like it's in the performance already, but you just don't know it because you don't know that key piece of information. But like... So you know how in this, first of all, Tilda Swinton, iconic. Uh, Playing two roles. Three. She was also Marcus. Oh, okay. In that So suit. Marcus and the old man. Yes. And, so, and Madame like, Blanc. Literally no men in this L- one. <laughs> except for the two detectives who we just see their yeah. penis and laugh at. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're like, uh, <laughs> which I loved, obsessed with. Yeah, that was great. So you know how... Um, in this, anytime Madame Blanc like locks eyes with somebody, it's either to enchant or to like scare. And especially with um, Susie, she'll just like lock eyes and be like, "It's this sort of like command tactic of I'm in charge and I like need you to like look at me and see me. I need you to pay attention." Mm-hmm. 
with the understanding that Susie is actually Mother Suspiria, that entire context changes. The way that she looks at Madame Blanc, it changes the power. Where when she looks at her, by the way that Dakota Johnson's acting, she is making Madame Blanc look at her. She's the one in control at all times, which is so different than the first time I saw it. Like even, and it it becomes more evident the more it goes on because like even when she walks in, there's like these moments of glances and the way the camera zooms in on Dakota Johnson's face and like all this stuff. But like the scene specifically when she, uh, when Susie defies Madame Blanc during the dance rehearsal where she's like, hey, I know that you want me to do this, but honestly, this is a better move and shouldn't we be doing this just based on like whatever to me solidified like oh yeah she is in charge because in that same moment when she's like going down to the ground we later see that death or uh is it marcus who's reaching their hand up and like touching the bottom of the floor um she knows what's down there she feels it and so her being like shouldn't i be on the ground shouldn't i be like down here and like touching the floor it's it's a very clear power reversal saying i i am letting you know that i am in charge and i know what's here because i am all of this i only exist in this space you are here in service of me i am not here in service of you and it's really um that moment um in particular is really great because Susie isn't just like oh yeah whatever and then i just feel like i should do this she starts off by saying I feel like this is what I need to do. I This is where I want to be. And then goes into saying like, um, the jumps are opposing the structures. It's uh, like the resistance is more emphatic. And she's like using uh, this terminology where she is not the pupil. She is, uh, she is the instructor um, in that scene. And um, seeing Tilda Swinton, Madame Blanc, um, seeing her just be so... Um, you could tell like right away, at least from my watch, because I'm first watch, right? She's entranced by her, like and drawn to her, but also like terrified. Like she knows that she is something and yeah. she is someone um, and she knows that she's more powerful. So the way that I saw both of them is like Blanc, you know, is used to this other power structure. And then seeing this person come in, she's trying to figure out where she fits within that, right? And that scene specifically, too, where Susie wants to be on the earth because she feels the witch below her. Blanc wants her to be away from that. And we we get the sense, um, even in the very final scene, too, where it's revealed that Blanc really just does love her and wants to care for her and wants to protect her, right? She's also like, she wants to protect her she doesn't want her to go and be she's always telling her you have a choice you do not have to do this you don't have to do this this is not this is not for you it's okay to say no even when all is revealed and they're they're down and they're doing the the dance and she's about to um uh marcus and marcus is like yeah come to me blah 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 (laughs) but but to me it seems like um like Blanc was the most true witch of them all, even though she does die. She doesn't die by the hand of uh, Suspiria, of Susie, right? She just, she dies. Um, whereas, does she die, though? 
I think yeah, she does. Because remember, think... they pull at the end. They pull up her neck, and she's still like alert and like looking around. Oh, that's right. Okay, and no, then, she doesn't die. And then the other witch who was like crying tears, the like the empathetic person who was sitting up mm-hmm. top, who was who who was saved, even though she voted for Marcus. She like turns her head, and she's like, <gasps> Blanc is like still like the, the implication is like she didn't die. I think. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know. Did she? Same. Didn't she? I mean, they um, cut her neck hard, so it was like very clear. Did. But then when she pulled her neck up, she's like, Hey, I'm a, I'm still here. You're like, oh, I mean, Suspiria okay. could absolutely like revive all of that, right? Suspiria. But, um, one that's one of the things that I really liked is everything that Marcus stood for and the the hold that she had on the company and the way that she treated. Um, the way that everybody was treated within that coven and within that space, you could tell it was not good and it did not feel good, right? And so Mother Suspiria coming down to be like, no, this is like anybody that voted for Marcus, like this is going back to our feminism, right? This is not feminism. This is not what this looks like and this is not how this works. And like we see, like even though she like kills she kills everybody that voted for Marcus. She kills Marcus herself. She kills, um, she gives um, the the dancing, the younger dancers, right, the choice. Like, what do you want? And some of them are like, I just don't even want to fucking be here anymore. And she's like, cool, whatever. Here you go, right? Yeah. But she gives them that choice. Um, and we see her, like, um, also be, like, really empathetic, too. Like, because at the end, we see her go to the witness, who was the old the old man, the old psychologist, and be like, hey, I know that you need this closure. This is what happened to your wife. You know, for no reason. Did not fucking owe that to, to him at all. But was like, hey, here is your closure. I'm sorry that this happened to you. This was not supposed to happen. This is not, like... Like, literally, her coming in was, like, weeding out the the bad people from her flock and, like, just, like, re, uh, re-centering on this is what we are and this is what we stand for. Yeah. And I love that. I am obsessed with the body horror in this. I don't like body horror. And I, I... think a lot of it is, like... Especially when it comes to like mutilation and like we are supposed to fear people that have these uh these oh have bodies that are not you know um that's an issue for me that was a huge issue for me because I think the like the breaking of the bones in the dance is different than like somebody crawling out of the shadows with a missing leg and a missing arm in in a way that's like this ableist view of of like. It's just general ableism, like, oh, you should be afraid of this person because they don't have limbs. Like, I, I, it's boring. It's toxic. It's tired. Like, let's stop doing that. But in terms of like the breaking of the dance, like the mutilation, is it disgusting and scary and sad? Yes. But to me, that was like the that was why it was so impactful and terrible and terrifying. And to me, amplified the stakes of the situation, the severity of the situation more than the first one did because it's like, sure, people are dying and we're seeing some like somebody getting knife, but we're seeing the magic happening in a way that is literally brutalizing women. The scariest fucking thing. Like, oh. And then just from an artist's perspective, which we talked about earlier, the juxtaposition of like this beautiful sexual dance of like strength and power and levels of of height and of of vulnerability and like smallness and angles and like it's beautiful like she's so good she is in her element she is powerful 
juxtaposing that where she is also in control of the body beneath and the body beneath this beauty is only existing because of the brutalization of somebody else horrifying isn't it so scary it's so scary and it lasts so long they cut between it too oh my god it they was cut. really hard to watch it was so I, I had hard to turn away yeah well, that, <laughs> and that's and that to me is why like it's so impactful because it's so scary and i think because not all body horror like i enjoy sometimes brutalism for brutalist sake like Gore for gore's sake, I'm not necessarily into that, where it's just like, for no reason, the symbolism of this performance with the visual brutality, I think is what I like in it, because I just, it well, and f- was fucked up, and it's uh, like the most scary way. Also, this is an academy of female dancers, right, yeah. doing a very feminine uh, form of dance, like ballet, right? When mm-hmm. we think of... When the general populace thinks of ballet, they think of a woman in a tutu, right? And they think of this, like, gorgeous, elegant woman. So to marry that with that sort of brutalization of of somebody else, like, I completely understand it. It was – that scene was just a lot. and But I also – I also liked um, that they recontextualized that too. So where, you know, the the general thought of like dance and especially ballet is like very elegant, very like upper class, you know, just really gorgeous and uh, fluid, beautiful, all of that. Blanc uh, tries to recontextualize that, right? Where, you know, she's she's telling Susie that like when you're when you dance, you're like forming sentences like you you're like taking up all of this space it's almost like a prayer or a spell if you will right um but she says there's two things that dance can never be again beautiful and cheerful and i was like oh that's really interesting because those are two things that we like again are supposed to think about dancing especially ballet and she's just saying no that's absolutely not what this is yeah. Like, and I thought that was cool. And that was the, obviously ver- demonstrated right away when uh, Susie was dancing and destroying Olga. Destroying. And and that even goes into the conversation of like the juxtaposition, like ballet is supposed to be this beautiful, picturesque, highbrow, upper class, rich, gorgeous performance. Oftentimes for those dancers, they literally have to brutalize their bodies to perform mm-hmm. this richness and this illustry and 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 to perform oftentimes for like high class and like rich folks it's like an upper class art so not only is it the brutal like the literal brutalization of bodies from the performance aspect to everything else but in this very clear depiction there is an upper class and a lower class olga's in the lower susie's in the upper right and we're seeing what this art form up top has to do to those beneath it and i think that them jumping between the two was such like a fucking cool visual discussion of that it's incredible and i love it but but it was i could not watch it it was (laughs) fucked up it was so and then even after i think the hardest part for me like i am obsessed with the sequencing and the editing of it but then later when the matriarchs come down and the witches show up with their uh, sickles. Oh, my God. To take her out of the room. And they just, like, puncture her and, like, lift her on these hooks. I was like, what is happening? It was so fucked. So fucked. And the fact that she was still alive 
because of that spell. And kept alive? And kept alive. Disgusting. But I can't, like... And then even some of the other, like, scary stuff, like, when Sarah's investigating down beneath and she sees Chloe Grace Moretz, she sees Patricia, and she's like, oh my god, I can save you. And she's also like, just let me die. Like, I don't want to be... I should be dead. What the fuck? And she runs away, but as she's leaving, they open the holes on the floor, and she falls in and breaks her leg. Like, just the way that that looked, I was like, this is terrifying and so cool. Like, and then even too later when, like, Dakota Johnson, like, opens up her chest, like, literally, like, rips it open, and you hear the souls of, like, who knows how many people inside of her crying out, and she just, like, stands there open-hearted, like... I'm back. I'm like, this is so fucking sick. <laughs> I am obsessed. Okay. It's really interesting. Uh, I didn't even read into that where she literally opens her chest and opens her heart. And that she, is when she is her most powerful. Yes. So that's cool. And then, and then there's the conversation of like mercy. If she is this queen of mercy and she is there to sort of cleanse, cleanse this space of, of rotten misogyny and speculation and gaslighting and toxicity. She is the mother of mercy and the mother of empathy. So she is there fully open hearted, full open breast. I'm here. I'm present. Iconic. Also very Iconic. sexual. Like, so sexual. holy oh my shit. God. Like basically any time that she is like dancing, like she's talking about like, Ooh, I felt it inside me. And like, that's... Oh, I felt like I was, I felt like this is what it must be to fuck, but not a man, an animal. Like and this that's... is fucking for me. And I was like, Oh shit. And literally all that time too is why I was like, I really liked this because it was like the embrace of sexual power. The, Im- like the, 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 even when they're like, no, it's not that like the, the, just her ability to dig deep and to be vulnerable and sexual in these spaces in such like this confident way, in such a powerful way. Like it just, that part of the dancing that like, wasn't really in the first one. The first one was just like, and one and two and step and step and mm-hmm. like, cool. Sure. But in this one, it was like way more carnal. It was way more like hungry. And I just, I like, all of that was just so cool. And I honestly, I honestly like, the first time I didn't like this, this time I did, how cleansed of color everything was. I feel like that's a big, that I mean, that's like one of the hugest things about the differences between these movies. One has no color, the other is all color. Because I really do think it heightens the the intensity of the performances just in terms of like, Everything is cold, not only the exterior, but the interior. There is no color. Everything is like a really cold tone. There is no warmth. There is no love. There is no security here. What is secure? And the only warmth and the only energy that we get is Dakota Johnson. She shows up. She is a beacon of heat in every aspect, confidence, sex, uh, performance. Like she shows up. And suddenly the room is warm. So she, to me, and this is my take on it, she brings the color to every room she's in, which is why there's no color in any of the rooms. <laughs> that's I mean, my... I like that take. I think that's great. I think, <laughs> uh, I think you're you're right in that. That's what they did, and that's what they wanted for this, especially being like 
Berlin while the wall is still up and yeah. all of that, right? So you're absolutely right. But fuck, I miss those like candy colors. That I, sweet, it's really like, yeah. It's for me. I think uh, I think that was probably the hardest thing for me to get over, and I think that's why I thought this film was so boring. Yeah. Um, because it is an hour longer. It's a two it's and a half hour. It's film. two and a half hour film. Yeah. Um, th- with like. <laughs> After like watching them back to back, watching this beautiful like fucking candy, right? Like it's, these it's, beautiful shots, this like yeah. so intentional and all of this. And to go to what feels like and I get what you're saying, where everything else is just so drab because they want the the performance and the energies to be um to be the spotlight, right? But it felt like to me that felt so boring moving into this. And I was like, okay, great what's happening and it was also just so dark too like the color grading on everything was so dark it was such a polar opposite that yeah and i get that these films both had something completely different to say and to say even within the shooting like you were saying like that's a great take right whereas the other one we were talking about how it's um the cinematography and the lighting and the sets are really there to um to manipulate the audience in the same way that the the young women are being manipulated right so to me that worked really well and i feel like these are just two wildly different movies even though they're the same plot so i like what you said and i'm liking the movie more as we're talking about it but like literally 84 fucking years long i I know you're like i know you don't want to watch it again but i'm not even kidding i would have not had this take the first watch it is the second watch where everything just clicks like in in just that the 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 power that she has in every scene where it's like all eyes are on her she is the beacon she is the she is the lantern and they are all moths like her it's always her it's always been her it will be her forever everyone knows it nobody's saying it and also oh, love that the song that they're dancing to in volk is the goblins arrangement from the first one yeah i wish i wish personally I didn't care for the Tom York orchestration. I didn't give a shit about that. Yeah. I did not care about it. It was kind of forgettable, pretty mediocre, whatever. I wish that they had just done like a new score of the original arrangement and are like, oh. It might have you... been better. I might have liked it, it better. That might have been something that was pulling it down because the music was forgettable. The sets were forgettable. Everything yeah. was just yeah. like, yeah. like the only time I was really interested oh. was when like was yeah it it was it was just really polarizing to go yeah. from watching that to watching this to like uh just the moods being so different yeah oh just give it a, maybe a different score i would have had a different feeling i don't know but like also like right away this film goes into and define and tells you what the whole fucking movie is about where you see this beautiful cross stitch on the wall where it says mother is a woman who can take the place of all others but whose place can uh whose place no one can take then i was like okay so this is a all right i guess and then by the end like rethinking about that i'm like oh shit that's incredible because that's exactly what she was doing she was coming in to rid this space of the false mother and that's why she was so drawn to um to blanc right she's like i had to see you dance i was punished but i had to see you i like and she's just always been drawn to berlin right because she's like okay i gotta get here but she always knew that that tilda got her back right that like tilda knew what was up and And knew what was right and was like 
from the get-go, like, hey, cool, this is what we're doing. And I love that in the sequence where they're all voting, she's the only one who abstains. The only fucking one, She's Because yes. everyone else is like, you get Blanc, you get Marcus, whatever. And she's like, I don't like this system. I'm not voting. And it also, shouldn't, it shouldn't be. This what am way. I going to do? Vote for myself? Like, Literally, yeah. She's not going to be. She's like, whatever the rest of the coven wants. This is this is where I am. But I am not going to take power this way. This is not. This is not who we are, and this is not how we do this. Yes. And she's not. She's not trying to cheat death. She's not trying to like you know gain more power or do whatever. That's all Marcos, right? Yeah. And that's and all of the missteps happen. Because they have to set this thing up for Marcos, who is like literally leading the coven to destroy itself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. It's like some really good stuff in this movie. Dakota Johnson did such a good job. I'm so impressed. Wasn't Marcos trying to say that she was one of the mothers, too? Like she was like, I am or was like. Marcos was? Yeah. Yes. I feel like. Yeah. So she was like, I am this. So like. She she was. Yeah. She was. She was assuming power and pretending to be this person and the only time that she stepped back from that was in the presence of suspiria herself and she's like wait fuck no it's not me anyways take pity on me it's like no yeah no also the literal summoning of death excuse me death incarnate death the embodiment of death as a as a person as like a anthropomorphized figure wild (laughs) and i just love it's so silly but like the kiss of death Mwah. Yeah, chef's kiss, obsessed. Where she and I know that like that whole again scene was owning so owning her sex too, right? Yeah, yeah, owning it and 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 it like it's owning her power, but it's also giving people a choice or those who deserve a choice, choice, right? Right. Like her friends, these young women, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. They're like, I just want this. She's like, I can do that. And some of them were like, I want to be here. Some of them were like, nope, I didn't sign up for this. And she was like, great, absolutely, whatever Perfect. you want. Like, yep. I, you have this choice and nobody can make this choice for you. But, but the only the people that- to give it to you. The people that did not have the choice were the ones that worshipped the false mother. And, and were, were carrying out who... her bidding and were, were not convicted at all on that. Because, you know, we see how fucking cruel everybody that- does not like that votes for marcos is throughout this whole movie right and they they tell us again right away where it's like cool there's division half the people these people are for marcos these people are for blanc right so they're like cool here's your moral center here's good or goodness potential goodness here is evil right because like i mean they, they go into the history of the coven where they talk about how they have been underground since the war because during the war they shielded women from Nazis who wanted to impregnate them, right? So they uh, they took on this role, which I believe Suspiria would have been stoked on, where they shielded women from forced motherhood. So they offered them choice, you know, women protecting women. We love to see this. I also, it. that whole, like, uh, I think the thing that I could have, done without in this movie is like the parallel between the terrorists and like the oh. like I didn't need that See? I understand that it's a parallel and that that whole thing I think that's for me why it felt like 84 years because I feel like just when things were starting to get going then we pivoted over to this and it's like I don't give a you shit about what? this this doesn't matter like and that was like 20 minutes of the whole fucking movie that did not need to be there literally I feel the same way contextually yes post-World War II Germany, I think it's a really interesting place. I think like, wow, what a tense, interesting place to have a story. Love it. The allegory for terrorism, 
Okay. I mean, generally, I don't know that specific history, so I don't know base level if that like resonates harder for somebody who understands that history based on the story. But even besides that point, that story alongside the old... What is the man's name? Tilda's character? Oh, I don't know. He's just old fucking man to me. <laughs> what is his name? Dr. Joseph Klumper. So his whole story... We could have dwindled that down into like maybe 15 minutes instead of the probably 35, 40 that it ended up being just to have the intention at the end and the epilogue gorgeous. We love it. Mm -hmm. That whole, if that whole chunk was kind of like sawed off of this movie and it was just the Suspiria situation in the dance studio and the movie was like an hour 40. Yeah. Like cut out, cut out. You can show us that the that the protest is happening and that there's like, you know, terrorism happening and yeah. stuff. But like it doesn't need to be a focal point where you it, between each act, because this movie is broken up into into different acts. Right. You don't need to go back to it and like show me like I understand that that is uh, a plot device that a lot of different um, a lot of different films uh, will go to. But for me, it took me out of it and it felt like bloat. And the same thing with um like you're right about his story. It took up too much time and too much, too much space time. in this in this space that is supposed to be entirely about women. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean everything else that they did, showing like the gaslighting and grooming that you know the witches were bestowing on the yeah. young women. I mean even Blanc, right, with like kissing all of her students and with yeah. like each each witch kind of like latching on to one as like their their partner right and kind of like gr grooming them essentially um with like the fainting and like oh i didn't do this no yeah well actually clearly you did but it's okay we we have you we're here you know the brain rushing of like the weird exotic dreams like all of that for me really like that was fine that all worked that was good but like, yeah, I have like this whole fucking paragraph about the psychologist who like, cool, dismissive of women. We got that in the first one. But like remakes like to do this, right? Why did you give the parents or the men more time in this story that is not and should not be about them? Yeah. You know? 100%. I mean, do I love that the only male protagonist is played by a woman? Absolutely. However, but that took me out of it a lot because a lot of yeah. the time I was like, that's, that's just Tilda. That's Tilda. <laughs> yeah. Like, and there's times where, um, where that character was supposed to be like yelling and that, like, and the voice broke. And yeah. I was and like, you're like, that's Tilda. <laughs> this doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. This, this doesn't work for me, you know? Yeah. And like, oh, so he only feels bad once he, once the woman disappears. And up until then, he's just telling her that she's crazy. And, and like, I don't need him to be redeemed. Like, I don't need a man that tells a woman that she's crazy and then she gets murdered to be redeemed. Like, that, yeah. sh that shouldn't be such a pivotal part of this story. And then he's the victim because even though these women died because he didn't take them seriously, he had to witness this bad thing. And then yeah. the, the story refocuses on him at the end. I didn't like why did he have we, to be the ending point of we that? We literally didn't like was it sweet that history, that mercy? Yes. But in the base of this story, this non male story, this is not a masculine story. Why is he the center? Why is he the epilogue? Like why are the, we the ending shot is why like, are we ending hit, on is him? that heart with the AJ on the corner and stuff? And Which, I was like That doesn't make sense. Why? 
why why Literally this is why? not about him like it's also not a love story like I, mm. they tried to, they tried to tie a love story into this with like him and his wife and it's like well that's not what this movie's about like you mm-hmm. the only reason you added that contextually was for that epilogue we didn't need the epilogue and we didn't need that story it just took time away from everything else yeah, I didn't need any of that. I could have used more time in the sexy vagina room. Sure, like Ugh. let's let's hang out there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> we did not need it to be that long. Um, but the Suspiria stuff in this movie, like from the first one, just like the that whole dance academy, Susie Patricia Sarah, obsessed. I can't I like I'm I think it's amazing. I think it's so I'm so impressed by it. Yeah, I know I, that this movie got bad reviews too. People hated it. <laughs> People were just like, because so, again, it's also bouncing off of what is considered a cinematic classic, which I understand. And they did the opposite of what it did. So the things that it's heralded for being so great, they're like, we're not doing any of those. Boom. So of course people are going to be like, it's trash. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they could have called it something else or called it like the mother of size or something like that, right? Where then like it is still telling this story. And I mean, they do that a lot where it's like, this is the same movie. We just, you know, and I feel like it would have probably done better. But yeah, literally to go against the polar opposite of why this movie, or why Suspiria in general was like the first one so loved and so iconic and just to fucking turn that on its head. And this movie was a lot more subtextual, like watching it. I was like, okay, whatever this is like, because I was, I felt like I was watching it like as two people because I was like into the things that we talked about, like with the dancing and with those parallels and with Suspiria and that whole ending part. But then part of me was also like, okay, whatever, like, sure, this is going to happen now. Okay, fine. Like it felt, it felt like a run of the mill horror movie. Like, and I was just kind of like okay, like, I guess we're here now. So I get that. But for in order to like really enjoy this movie, this movie is one that you actually have to sit down and like really think about in order to enjoy. I don't think that you can just enjoy it casually. I agree with that. Are we done? I agree with that. Yeah, I think we're done. I have exhausted my appraises for this (laughs) film. Eric, we're back. We are Um, back. The original 1977, Suspiria, who was it for? It was for art students, <laughs> I think. Um, no, it was for consumers of hallucinogenics. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Interesting. Interesting. Who do you think? Who do you think it was for? Oh, I think it was a hundred percent for for film students for yeah, for for, for <laughs> the high arts like level of study. It is just so beautiful and so intentional and so um, it is a product of his time, but like also so ahead of its time in some of the ways that it was doing. I don't know. It, it was just so visually interesting um, yeah. and like interesting on all of these subtextual levels that are really satisfying to go dig in and and think about. So that's absolutely who it was for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you like it? I did. I really enjoyed it. Um, I honestly wanted to like it more. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, cause I, I had this long, like, I'm going to watch that one day. And I like, I can't wait to do that. So I, I built up this little hype behind it a little bit to be like, wow, it's like heralded in such a way that like, I just overdid it for myself. And I think when I watched it, I'm like, this is good, but it wasn't as good as I'd hoped it was mm-hmm. going to be just because I had, 
overindulged in the belief that it was going to be this incredible like thing. So, but I did really like it. I thought it was good. Did you like it? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I didn't go into it with any of that that hype that you're talking about. Yeah. So like for me, it was like, oh my god! Like you sent me the trailer and you're like, should we do this this time? And I was like, oh, yes! Yeah, oh cool. my god! Because yeah. um, I just I wanted to live in those sets and in that space because it was just so gorgeous and so visually satisfying. Oh yeah! Um, just absolutely. Loved it. I, I can say that I love this movie for that alone. Ooh, like, yeah. and then of course, like, I like it because I can go do a deep dive on like color associations and symbolism of certain things in certain moments and uh, women and what it has to say about internalized misogyny and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, I really loved this movie. I thought it was great. It was a perfect level for, for me to watch a scary movie. Oh, of horror. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Now, the 2018 Suspiria, was it new, interesting, or the same, progressive, regressive? How has it evolved with today's ideals? Um, I thought it was new and interesting, new in the fact that it spun everything and did the opposite of what the first one did. So it was a new take on the same story, completely new take on the same story, and interesting for that same reason. Also, I think it was both interesting and progressive just in terms of the way that it depicted Susie and her strength. And like they completely subverted the expectation of the role where it's like this kind of young, fairly clueless sort of fish out of water. Then she's stripped of her autonomy. Like that's the whole basis of the character in this one. They were like, Nope, give her everything. She's literally the mother of size. She's, she's a God. (laughs) She's a demon arguably, but she's like, she is all powerful, all knowing all she's in charge. Do that. So for me, I think it was like an interesting way to like reattribute power to womanhood, just in terms of like, even in this toxic place, there is a, a power to agency and autonomy that she's exhibiting in every interaction that she has. I thought that that was really progressive and cool and like interesting and just a way to subvert the expectation of the character who we've already seen and we're seeing in a completely new light. So that's how I felt. How did you feel? Was it new and interesting progressive? I thought it was new. I thought I did not think it was interesting to watch. I think it's very interesting to talk about, but um, I was very bored by it. It did take me like, I think, five hours to finish this movie because <gasps> I just kept pausing it and going off to do something else or like, yeah. and it was just, I don't know. It was um, not the eye candy that I was hoping for coming off of that first one. Yeah. Um, I think it was more progressive in all of the ways that we talked about. So cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I felt about it. I'm I like, love it. just kind of like, it was boring, cool. it was new, Great. it was boring and progressive. The end. <laughs> um, who was it for? I mean, Dakota Johnson's career. <laughs> Dang. Um, no, because, I mean, she was fantastic in it. But also, she's already famous, very famous. Fifty Shades, she's doing it. Who cares? Was she also the Fifty Shades girl? Yeah, she was the Fifty Shades lead in that series. But... Who was it for? Honestly, I'm just going to say, I'm going to be silly and say it's for Tilda Swinton's IMDb page. She was also <laughs> in The Social Network. Oh, what? And she? the 21 Jump Street remake. She's been in a lot. Yeah. She's she like was in Call Don- Me By Your Name. No shit. Damn. She's 
been in a lot. She's booking. Damn. Okay. What? <laughs> Sorry, I just. <laughs> no. Yeah. This. She's. Woo. Okay. Who did you really say good. it was for? Sorry. Oh, I said it was for Tilda Swinton's IMDb page. Oh yeah. I mean, sure. I I'm gonna agree with that. I think it was for <laughs> Tilda Swinton's IMDb page because she wanted to. Um, she got. She got three. She got three. She got three credits for that. Uh, she got to be a man, right? Oh yeah, she's she's performing she, all kinds of character shit in this. She's getting to play. This is a character exploration for her. This is a, really a movie is. of growth. Um, I mean, arguably, and experimentation. She's in. Yeah, yeah, I, everything I, she's in. Arguably, but. everything is she's in is a, is a is her experimenting with something, one thing or another. She's so playful, and I love her so much. She's great. Yeah, but absolutely, this. Yeah. Um. Did you like it? I loved it. I earnestly and honestly did not think that I would be saying this for this episode. Going into it when I suggested it, I'm like, yeah, the second one's fine. I think the first one's going to be amazing. And I think the second one's fine. I didn't expect this. I'm so taken aback. I love, loved it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. The more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, this movie's sick. (laughs) Did you, what do you think? Did you like this? It was fine. It was fine. (laughs) It was it was just too boring. Like I think yeah. with a different soundtrack, with the uh, cutting out of the uh, parallel plot lines, um, I think this would have been an incredible movie that could actually hold my attention, but um, it wasn't. And here we are. And it was fine. Can I say one more thing before we end? Sure. You brought up the soundtrack of this this one. I watched it kind of loud. And like full drawn curtains, I was like, I want to get into this. The breathing, the breath work in this okay, movie. Okay, that is. As a soundtrack, as like a backdrop sound to like these moments where it's like. And the pounding. Just, and, and the, the pounding, like. And I was just like, that's the soundtrack. And I'm like, stop. Upset. I like it. Like the first time I watched it again, I was just like, oh, that's weird. Like I kind of didn't like it. But this time I was like, it's so so good i love that so when good. that's yeah, when okay. i was drawn cool. in to those moments okay, when it was cool. like okay there's no music right and it yeah. was kind of like because the witches were like stripping these women of of the things that they knew right yeah. to to distill them to their essence and so like i loved that i loved like sonically and visually that's when i was drawn to the screen um yeah. but then we have like tom york singing a little sad oh, guy and i was just really? like all right whatever i didn't need that it was just like i'm singing a song and i'm in radiohead <laughs> and you're like shut the fuck up he's in yeah. radiohead right that's tom york i think so Let wait look. let's look it up i'm making a dumb joke and i don't even know oh my god thong uh, york radiohead yes he's radiohead okay cool yeah yes <laughs> i like that we had to so, look that up so Danny, it looks like a you- thumb if you want to cut around that and make it sound like I got it right, Gorge, if not, also fine. Okay, Let but... me exist in my ignorance. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's all I wanted to say. I, that was the one thing that I forgot to bring up was the breathing soundtrack. I thought it was so impactful, Gorge. All Is right. that it? Yeah, we did it. We're here. We did it. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um Please don't forget to go rate and review and subscribe to all of our shit. Leave us a nice review. Highest possible star rating in the system that it is or whatever you feel like. Honestly, be earnest with us. We'll be earnest with you as we always have been. 
Um, but your support means a lot. And honestly, reviews and ratings go a long way. Truly. Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre, editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Enjoy Halloween. it. And um, remember, stay cute. And stay critical. <laughs> bye bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, Show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls! What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number four, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.